0: Well, welcome to our weekly podcast. I'm so excited to have our daughter, Jill Wyndham with us again today. And I'm so excited, Jill, that you're back. I love what we talked about last week, you know, about, you know, facing, dealing with troubled times because we all have them. My name is Alan Spiegel. My wife and I, Janice, we uh, started our life in ministry together in 1981 after I got saved in 1980. Uh, we are the founders of Safe Harbor International Network of Ministers, Journey School of Ministry, and GraceChannel.com. We pastored for well over 30 years. Uh, we haven't got it all figured out, but we have uh, figured out some of it. And so we pray today, as Jill and I share, about facing difficult times, troubled times, you know, some key factors in how to do that, that something will come alive in your heart and that you will begin to see that I'm gonna make it yeah. you know I, I I'm not staying where I'm at and I think it's a, a big key just deciding uh, I'm, I'm not going to stay right. where I'm at now last right. time Jill we talked about uh, two important keys and uh, you know facing or things to remember during troubled times and one was trouble comes to everybody yep nobody's immune to it this is what I'm saying not even Jesus. Jesus was betrayed. Paul, we went through different people in the Bible, so we need to realize when we're going through stuff that that, uh, it's going to come to pass. It's not going to stay this way. Uh, There's a better better day coming. And then the last thing we talked about last week was uh, how long trouble lasts is often determined by your focus. Now, if you listened to us last week, if you didn't, go back and listen to it. Go back and watch it. Whatever you focus on, you get more of. And we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about that. Yeah. And so if I'm going to come out, I'm going to face my difficulties. If I'm going to, uh, you know, make it through these moments that it seems like that, that I'm not going to make it. There's, there's some things we we need to remember. You know, uh, this is not one of the points, but I want to say this. Uh, you've heard me say this a lot, Jill. And, and um, you know, whatever... I'm going through I had to remind myself of this sometimes whatever I'm going through how many times have you been going through something you didn't think you were going to make it yes but you so did many
1: times yep you've made it through every day of your life so far
0: yeah so so you're ahead mm-hmm. but I, I think about this I'm going through something A- it may seem like there's no hope there may seems like may seem like that there's No possibility uh, of coming out of this. But you know what's going to happen? A year, two years from now, whatever you're going through is going to be a one- or a two-sentence story about what happened, what God did, and how he came out of it. That's right. Just like everything else that you've ever been through. Yeah. You know, uh, in the Jewish culture, you know, that every male Jewish guy was given a rod. And it was somewhat of a diary. They used it with shepherding and things, but they would engrave significant events that happened in their life to remind them. You know, when Moses stood before the Red Sea, the Egyptians behind, mountains on both sides, and he asked God, God, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? He said, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, stretch forth your rod, Moses. And really what he was saying was, stretch forth everything I've ever done for you. Yep. Remind yourself.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, Psalm 23 says, your rod and your staff. Comfort yeah. me. So when David was going through hard times, his hit the, the comfort of the testimony is what brought him through it.
0: Yeah, and I like I like to keep a file with things that I, I started trusting God for and I'll date it. And then when it comes to pass, I'll date it. And then down the road, when I'm discouraged, going through into the hard spot, I'll pull that out. Yeah, And I remind myself, God was with me back then, and he's going to be with me now. That's right. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you know what? When he said that, he actually meant it. Mm-hmm. He actually meant it. Okay, so let's, let's jump into the, to uh, the third thing we need to remember is we need to remember to take responsibility for our mistakes. You know, I, I can't take responsibility for anybody else's, but I can take responsibility for mine. You know, in grace, God's ability is not activated in our hearts until we get honest and we take responsibility. That's right. You know, it's so, it's so incredibly easy to want to blame the devil,
1: mm-hmm.
0: blame the way we grew up. Mm-hmm.
1: Blame everybody else.
0: Blame our spouse, blame our children, blame our parents. But God forbid, we don't want it to be me.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't want it to be me. You know, Job 40, verse 8, and uh, if you've never really studied the book of Job or heard a good teaching on the book of Job, uh, I'd encourage you to, uh, to do so. And, and, and i have one you can contact us and and we'll be happy to send you the link to it uh you know absolutely free job 40 verse 8 says god asked job a very direct question he said job are you going to continue to blame me so uh, are you going to continue to blame me for your trouble so you can appear faultless and right. One time, Job has gone. I forget exactly how I, I, this came about, but uh, Job was really questioning the integrity of God. And a lot of times, people read the Book of Job and they think Job is our role model for suffering. Right? right. You know, it's it's one of the most. He was com- just
1: a man working it out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know. You know. And and uh, you know, most Bible scholars believe that everything Job went through. Come so I said, well, I'm, I'm the second Job. Well, most scholars believe that everything Job went through happened in nine months.
1: Yeah.
0: And so if you're the second Job, in the end, Job had twice as much as he did in the beginning. Yeah. He was the wealthiest man in that part of the world. Lost it all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so he began to question the integrity of God. And I I, I forget the chapter and verse it is, but uh, God, God said something, something to this effect. Job, you think you're so smart? Yeah. Where were you when I spoke everything into existence? Yeah. You weren't there. Yeah. Where were you when the 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 land was divided and and and, and waters covered the globe? Job, where were you? Yeah. You're nowhere to be found. So how is it, Job, that you think you're in a position to give me? Um, Input and suggestions of how I should run things. Job, you need to go home. Basically, God was saying, "Job, you need to go home and look in the mirror." Well,
1: one of the problems Job had, though, was that he he was building a theology off of what people said instead of yeah, God, oh, God yeah. himself. Like he, the Book of Job, you you find out that he was repentant at uh-huh. the end because he realized he was he was believing his whole theology was based off of what people said about yeah. God, not for what he experienced himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's yeah. what it says. It said, "Job said." Up until now, I've lived off of Mm trust and rumors about you, God.
1: Like, you should blame God for this, Job. He's abandoned you.
0: But now I know him for myself. This is really don't have a lot to do with what we're talking about, but it's kind of humorous. Job's friends heard what happened to him. And Job's friends, Jill, if you remember, they came to check on their friend, Job. They heard about everything. He had boils on his body. He had lost everything. Lost his family. He lost his family, lost everything. And and let me say this. One of Job's problems was he was wanting God to do for his children what he was not willing to do. Yeah, that's
1: good.
0: Rather than instructing them in righteousness and modeling it for them, he prayed for them. Hmm. (laughs) You know, modeling righteousness... You know, modeling righteousness is the way to get our children to walk in righteousness. Right. You know, prayer's not a substitute for that. You
1: can't pray them out of that. You gotta show them. No, you can't.
0: You gotta show them how to walk. That's the reason, you know, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, Jill, it says, and when you're walking with your children, do this and do that.
1: Teach them as you go. Yeah.
0: And and remember it says, uh, after they, they crossed the Red Sea, they stacked up rocks. Yes. And so, you know, some of the, Kids said, Well, why are we sticking them rocks up? Mm-hmm. Because one day when you're walking with your son, he's gonna ask you, What was these rocks for? Yep. And you're gonna say, This is where our God, Jehovah, brought us over the Red okay. Sea when it's all the Egyptians no more. And so Job, interesting thing, his friends come and they they looked at it and they were taken back. Mm boils all over his body. He's sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And they said, Job, we've come to encourage you. <laughs> and the Bible says they sat down in a circle around him. And, and, and I may have the, the days wrong on this, but it's something like for three or four days, they sat there and looked at him and didn't say a word.
1: <laughs> That's a lot of encouragement. Yeah. Well, you're that bad off your friends don't have anything yeah. to say.
0: Yeah. They were taken back. <laughs> And when they finally spoke up, remember they said, "We've come to encourage you." Mm -hmm. They said, "Tell us the truth, Job. Why did this happen? Yeah, you know, things like this doesn't do not happen to a righteous man. How is it, Job, that all of this has befallen you? And then it goes into what Jill said that you know that that he repented." I'm not going to live off of what somebody else said about you and and, got passed on and passed on. But I want to to know you for myself. I want to know you for myself. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, a person who refuses to admit their issues and faults can never be successful. You You have to come to the place where you are secure enough to admit, I have found my problem.
1: And you said something all of our life, I've heard you say this in some capacity as as our dad and our pastor. He would say, you might be where you are. You might have been put where you are because of the decision of somebody else. But you stay where you are because of your decision. That's right. So God's always given you the ability, I tell our church this, to be the victor instead of the victim, no matter what's happened to you. You might be where you are because you had a super abusive, toxic relationship Mm -hmm. with your parents when you were a child and no child deserves that. How old are you now? Are you able now to say, you know what, it's time for me to correct my heart, forgive Mm -hmm. them as much as I can forgive them, let God do, I'm not saying enter into a close relationship with people that are still hurting you, but I'm saying at some point I have to release them and take responsibility for my own emotions and my own future. Because that's that's the power that God gave you with His grace.
0: That's right. So, you know, and and in, and in doing that, uh, you, we're we're talking about you know forgiving, and letting go, and, and and putting it behind you. You know, and what we're talking earlier today, Julia and I were talking that that um, forgiving someone it's not because they deserve it, right? And technically, they don't, right? But you deserve the benefits. That's right.
1: It's for you. Forgiveness is not for them. It's
0: for you. Yeah. Trust me, they're sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. You're the one laying awake. Mm -hmm. And you need the benefit of forgiving. Yes. Because if not, you're chained to the past.
1: That's right.
0: And I've seen so many people through the years that that are living in bondage to somebody that's dead. Mm -hmm. You know, a parent, Mm -hmm. an authority figure in their life, wounded them and hurt them and, and, and really messed them up. And they never let go.
1: They might say they never asked for forgiveness before they died. That's not how that works. You give it. Whether they ask for it or not, you give forgiveness. It's for you.
0: The Bible talks about this in Colossians and and in other places. It says, forgiving one another Mm -hmm. as God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. Yeah. So how did he forgive us? He forgave us without us asking. That's right. And he forgave us forever. In other words, he don't keep bringing it Mm up aren't you thankful that God does not keep bringing up your past Yes, I am I've told so many couples through the years Jill maybe maybe one of the two have been unfaithful to each other uh they, they have made some terrible mistakes and well I'm gonna, I'm gonna say mistake because the mistake is I went down here and turned the yeah. wrong direction <laughs> right you know they see made bad choices you know, they, yeah you know they made bad choices and they sinned. and right. uh and, and I'll tell the spouse that is the 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 one that's been wounded by this If you're going to stay with them, you can't keep bringing it up. That's right. Yeah, but I can't trust them. I understand that. And forgive does not mean, listen close, forgiving does not mean I've got to trust you. Right. And I've told many people that have been unfaithful. They say, well, she's, she's forgiven her. He's forgiven me. They said they've forgiven me, but they said don't trust me. I said, well, they have no reason to trust you.
1: Those aren't the same things. Yeah, yeah. Two,
0: two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You know, forgiveness is one thing. It's it's sending away. But see, to forgive, you know, to, to forgive, as you said, it's for your benefit, mm-hmm. not their benefit. Mm-hmm. And if, if I'm going to forgive, I can't keep bringing it up. I can't keep rehashing it. And so this person says, but they got to trust me. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. Because trust is based on track record. Mm -hmm. Proverbs says that putting trust in an unfaithful person, like a person who's blown their track record, is like walking, excuse me, having a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Both at the same time. Uh, they got pain on both ends. And so, but I have to take responsibility for my issues. Hosea 4-4 says, don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame to them. Kids do that all the time.
1: All the time. They just stay doing that. I didn't do it.
0: Johnny did it. Susie did it. Ah. Listen to this statement. It's painful to admit your faults. It takes a lot of courage, yeah. but in the long term, it's more painful not to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I I know you remember this when when Rod Jill's husband first moved to Florida to work with us, we couldn't afford to pay him hardly anything, so he lived with us for a while. And I remember one night, sometime we were all the family was we sitting around talking, and and uh, and he. We used to call him, I've been everywhere man. Mm -hmm. And really, he just about has. And he was talking about some trip he was on, and he goes on and on and on about it. And then all of a sudden, you remember? He stopped. He said, that's not true. That's not the way that happened. Matter of fact, I ain't ain't never been to that city. (laughs) And he said, I I apologize (laughs) that I exaggerated and, and didn't tell the truth. And so a little bit later, I went into the kitchen and he walked in there and he said, look, you know, pastor said, because I was stretching it, because I was not telling the truth, Um. I'll pack my bags and get out of town tomorrow if you want me to, because, you know, you need somebody that's, that's uh, trustworthy. I said, that is trustworthy. I said, Rod, you know, you taking ownership didn't diminish me, you in my eyes, You went up in my eyes because you were willing to correct it and take responsibility. And I said, I have met very few people in my life that are secure enough, confident enough to do that. So you got to take responsibility. Number four, be careful that you don't accept trouble as everyday life. Now, while everybody has trouble, but don't live expecting. It. Right. Don't don't live expecting trouble. In Romans twelve two it says in the message, don't become so well adjusted to the culture around you that you fit into it without even thinking about
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: And that is such a powerful, sad truth today. Mm-hmm. That we let. I think. I think it goes on to say, or maybe the Living Bible says. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. Mm-hmm. You know, be careful that you don't accept trouble.
1: We love a bad story.
0: No, I got the truth.
1: We love like on social media and you know just Instagram, Facebook, or whatever means you are on. You can't just scroll and, and feel good about the world. That's not how that works. You know, mm-hmm. you don't ever hear about the Good Samaritans. You don't hear about the the rescues and the. The good parents and the good kids in school, I mean, all we, all we see is just how the world's unraveling and it's unraveling and it's unraveling and it's, it's falling apart. So, you know, you're going to find what you're looking for. We talked about that last week. You're going to move in the intention of your focus. But ask your family, do I walk around like one of those people that just expects the worst thing to happen? Mm-hmm. Is everything that comes out of my mouth negative? Do You know, like, you're on Winnie the Pooh, and he always (laughs) just walks around. Like, it will be sunny everywhere except over him. It's raining over him. Like, do you carry that cloud with you? When you go, you can ask some trusted people in your Uh life, and they'll tell you. Your kids will be really honest with you. Do you think mama is grumpy? Do I always expect bad things? You know what? If you're expecting bad things to happen around you all the time, you're expecting the worst from your kids. You're expecting mm. the worst from your marriage. Uh, you're not you're not calling your kids higher by expecting the worst from them. By saying, so I knew you were gonna do that.
0: So they're probably with your kids are probably Watching to catch them doing something wrong. Yeah.
1: Like kind of hiding around. Like you know we always believe the devil was hiding behind the corner with a pitchfork when we were kids. Like are you you the devil with a pitchfork kind of thing waiting to catch your kids? And when's the last time you actually caught one of your kids doing something right and you just made a big deal about Uh, how great of a job they did and how well they treated their sister or how how respectful they were when they spoke to you. You know, just just be aware that, yes, we live in a broken world, and and we know that statistically it's going to get worse before Jesus Christ returns. But this is when we shine. This is when the body of Christ mm. comes alive, and we start showing everybody that we really are who we say we are. So quit expecting trouble to just be a part of your family. Don't treat trouble like it's somebody that gets to sit at your dinner table every night. <laughs> quit giving it a place in in your Home and in your conversations, lighten the mood, change it up, learn some jokes, learn to laugh. We do a lot of laughing.
0: Oh, boy, don't we?
1: We probably laugh at things we should be concerned about. We laugh (laughs) at trouble. I mean, we just laugh, but you know what? What else are you going to do? I've spent too many years crying. You know, I want to spend the next years laughing and and just enjoying my life.
0: Okay, the fifth thing to remember is remember God's faithfulness to you. And you know, we talked some about that, about the rod and the hand of the, the, the Jewish guy. But Psalm 78 verse 4 says the children of Israel forgot what God had done. Isn't it amazing, Jill, how present pressure can cause you to forget mm-hmm. God's past faithfulness.
1: Yeah. You know, that's referring to um, you know, Moses led children of Israel out of Egypt. And then we know Moses didn't get to take them into the promised land, but Joshua took them into the promised land. So all these people, you know, had grown up in these 40 years watching these miracles, and and Joshua knew it himself. He's right beside Moses and Aaron, and he's seeing all of these things happen. He has the privilege and honor of taking them into the promised land to establish their new lives. And it says that when Joshua died... A generation came behind him Mm. that didn't know the Lord and didn't know any of the acts that God had done. Mm. This is the greatest chapter, in my opinion, outside Mm. of the cross itself. This is one of the greatest chapters of human history that God has shown signs and wonders Uh. to get his people into the promised land that he had promised them. And a generation grows up. We're not talking about five or six generations Mm. down. So Joshua's children's children did not know what God had done. That's not happening on my shift y'all
0: how tragic such a great leader yes as Joshua yep and there came a generation after him mm-hmm. that didn't know God
1: yep and again not two or three generations right. away right they just quit talking about it at dinner they quit talking about it as they went they quit talking about it as they took walks together. That's heartbreaking. Honestly, every time I preach that, it is one of the most heartbreaking passages of Scripture to me. Because, Uh, uh, uh. hey, it's sobering. Because it's telling us we're one generation away. Uh One generation away from all of God's goodness Mm
0: -hmm. diminishing
1: and and erasing itself off of the face of the earth. Because we don't talk about it.
0: You know, all of us are leaving a legacy. Mm -hmm. The question is, what is it? Right. Right. You know, and I I posted this recently, excuse me, that um, most of the time we don't realize the impact that we've had, good or bad, until later. And sometimes it does not show up until we're gone. That's
1: right.
0: Abraham Lincoln was a secondary speaker the day that he spoke the Gettysburg Address. Martin Luther King Jr. never realized what his speech would become.
1: He never lived to see yeah. the impact of that dream. He never did. He never saw it.
0: And, you know, and, and I remember in, in his speech that uh, I've been to the top of the mountain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to get there with you, but y'all are going to go. Yeah. And and that legacy is still growing and going. Yes. And so you are leaving a legacy. I had a guy say to me one time, I was talking about how your your sin and your lifestyle, it's not just about you. Right. And I had a guy kind of argue with me a little bit, and he said, no, it's my life. I can live like I want to. I said, uh-uh. Not, especially when you have children, you have a spouse, you have family, you have friends. If you're living on an island by yourself, so why? But because you have some influence, you need to be very careful. Yeah. Because it's not just about you. And I
1: want to say too, if you don't have children, I, I can't tell you how many people in my life have marked my life besides my parents. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, my second grade teacher, Miss Harbison. My favorite Sunday school teacher, Linda K. Glasgow. I told her I mean, that. A while back I love her. A lover, if she's watching this, Miss Linda, you still have no idea what you what you did for my future and my eternity. Uh-huh. But you don't have to be. A parent or grandparent—you right. don't have to be an aunt or an uncle—but I'm telling you that your life matters to somebody, and your choices are affecting somebody That's besides right. yourself. So don't—we don't, don't want to be the Joshua generation mm. where we walk into the promised land and then just hand it off and leave. We, we have a responsibility to hand our knowledge off and our wisdom off, and God's the stories of His faithfulness off to the next generation. We can't let those things mm. die with us.
0: No, Lord help us. And then the last thing we to talk about for a few minutes thing to remember is how you see God and I quoted A.W. Tozer in the last one how you see God is the most powerful thing in your life how you see God you know when we say let's think about God you know a lot of different versions of God come up mystical judgmental school teacher not a lot of people come up with love hmm and, and so uh, Mom and I were sharing, you know, in, in a podcast that we just recently recorded, and uh, and we are talking about how you find the God you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, and it may not be a r- real God, but I'm talking, yeah. if you believe in a judgmental, hard God, you'll look at the circumstances in your life and you'll call it God. Yeah. You'll call those hard points God. But the most powerful thing in your life is how you see God. You know, the most influential, A.W. Tozer, as I said, most powerful thing in your life is what you think about when you think about God. Yeah. You know, I love that scripture. uh, Rod shared this recently in one of his messages in Isaiah 46. It says, Can you picture me without reducing me? Mm Wow. Yeah, uh, That day when he shared that, that just j- jumped off of the page and into my heart. And I had to ask myself a question. When, when I get a picture of God, am I reducing him? Yeah. And it's so incredibly easy to do that. It is. But don't. Yeah. It's, it's just a decision. Mm-hmm. Magnify, the, the, the psalmist said, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. You know, we know we can't, you know, we can't make God bigger than he is, but we can make it bigger to us. Yeah.
1: And we can't we can't really reduce him, but we can reduce his power in our life, oh, yeah. his effectiveness in our life.
0: It's like in Malachi, you know, that it says, uh, you know, Malachi, your words have been stout against mm-hmm. me. He said, When have my words been stout against me? And that word stout means restraining order. When have my words been stout against you? When has my words been a restraining order against you, oh God? Yeah. He said, "When you said it's useless to do it God's way, mm. His way doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's outdated. It's not for today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way." But you know, there's a verse that says says it more than once in the Bible. But there's a verse that says that every man, when he does what's right in his own eyes is headed to destruction.
1: Yeah,
0: You know, you can't do what's right in your eyes. You got to do what's right in God's eyes mm-hmm. and you got to magnify him on a constant basis. You know, I have I have been preaching, teaching the love and the grace of God for, shoot, I don't even know how long now, you know, 30 plus years. But listen to what I'm saying. I tell our Bible school students this. Every day, at some point, I remind myself of how big and how loving my God is. Mm-hmm. I never get tired of it. It Just saying it just, just then, I could feel life coming to my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have a trouble. But if you remember these six things that we've talked about, you know, if you didn't hear last time, go back. And if you'll apply these to your life, I promise you, a year from now, life's going to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell our Bible school students this all the time, and you've heard me say this since she was a little girl. Hardly anything that's going on in your life right now, good or bad, is because of what you're doing right now.
1: Right.
0: It's because of what you've sown in your heart in the past. Yeah. If you want a better tomorrow, you got to plant better seed. Yep. Yeah. So there's no trouble that comes your way that's bigger than God. Like you said, I think in the, in the last podcast, he made a grace for everything we face. Mm-hmm. It talks about the, the, the uh, multiple avenues of grace in 1 Peter.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a grace for everything you face. Yeah. So I challenge you, dig in. Don't let trouble make you believe for one second, that it's bigger than you are. Yeah. Because it's not. Right. In Jesus' name. Well, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks, Jill. enjoyed it. Awesome. When Jill was uh, a little girl, she was called Daddy's Little Shadow because uh, everywhere I went when I was off from work, work construction, she was with me. And, uh, you know, everywhere I went, she was with me, and I think the first time you spoke at our church in Florida, I was out of town, and you you had to do a Wednesday night, and she got up and said, um, I know everybody's expecting Dad to be here tonight, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember no, that. I do right. remember saying that. But I, and I took that as a, as a, as a compliment. But thanks, Jill. Thank you. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love doing this with you. And you know, jump in, guys. Jump in, ladies. Yep. And let God create for you the life that you deserve in Jesus' name. Blessings to you.